You're listening to The Fashion Detour, presented by J-Tribe. Very excited to introduce our special guest this week. Her name is Avital Goldschmidt. She is an editor at The Forward and a journalist. She teaches journalism at Stern College, and she's also a Revitson. And hi, Avital. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. So. What I wanted to ask you, can you tell me about growing up and what inspired you to go into journalism? Sure. Um, I always wanted to be a writer. I was always a writer. Uh, when I was seven years old, I wrote my first novel. I felt very important. Um, I was always a very big reader, so this is kind of like a natural um, path for me. I think it was just I couldn't really imagine myself doing anything but writing. So, um, yeah, I went to Borea, where I was also actively writing, submitting to a lot of big writing competitions, publishing stories during high school. And then I went to Stern, uh, where I also wrote quite a, quite a bit and started publishing um, in kind of mainstream publications. And, you know, it was kind of my way of, telling stories about my community uh, using my, what I see as, you know, kind of the gift that God gave me, my writing talent, um, to tell the truth and the way that I see our community, the issues we're facing, um, to really lift the mirror to the society that we live in. Wow. And did you, what kind of writing were you drawn to in the beginning or initially? Um, initially I was writing probably like fiction and poetry. I feel like everyone writes poetry at a certain point in their childhood or teenagehood. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then journalism wasn't exactly the thing I thought I would do. Um, it was, you know, I was writing kind of more essays and fiction in college. And then, uh, at a certain point in my last year at Stern, I had this, uh, really strong opinion, uh, really strong feeling about um, what I saw as extremism in the Jewish community and the way that, um, like, this humra culture where we're always trying to be so, so, so strict and to show how firm we are, and I don't need that, you know, that certification, and, you know, my ties are thicker than yours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I published an essay very out of the blue um, in Tablet Magazine, and that was kind of my first foray into that sort of writing. That was opinion writing. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote quite a bit more, a lot of opinion on issues in the Orthodox community. And then at a certain point um, with, in around like 2013, I, I basically started doing a lot more reporting. Uh, and at the time, I was working with Haaretz uh, based in Tel Aviv. I was writing from New York largely. Um, and, but it was not necessarily the types of writing that I thought I would um, go into. It was kind of the thing I felt compelled to do because I saw, I kind of opened my eyes and I was like, wow, there are a lot of problems in my community. I really want to fix them. Here's how I can do that. Wow. And did it, was it hard for you to get into, into the field? 
Um, yeah, it is pretty hard. Um, I had a bunch of kind of lucky moments. Um, but honestly, people say to me, oh, look, you're so successful, you're publishing. And I always say, uh, you don't see the long, long list of rejections um, that no one really sees. It's just a file in my, you know, my inbox. Um, so it is hard. There's a lot of no's. There's a lot of rejection. Um, it's a really cutthroat business. Um, to find a job in journalism these days, it feels like a unicorn job, honestly. Um, definitely job? not paid. Yeah, unicorn is in like really hard to find. Yeah. Um, and when you get one, you're like, hold on to it. You know, it's really hard to to um, to nab it, especially straight out of college. Um, but I did, you know, one thing that I always did, and I tell my students is that no matter what job you're working to pay the bills, always write and always pitch it and submit and try to publish wherever you can, even if it's a local Jewish publication that's kind of like easy to publish in. It doesn't matter. That's, you know, that's how you build a portfolio. That's how you build search results. Um, it's really integral. So don't give up. And keep, keep Never give keep up. Going, keep going at it. Absolutely. I can definitely relate. I, I was an English major in, uh, in my undergrad. And it was one of the things that I considered the whole field of journalism and writing. So now I get to do that a little bit more. <laughs> right. And, uh, so, that's, so that's definitely fun. Um, how would you compare the difference between being an editor to being a reporter? Um, it's definitely very different in that when I was a reporter, I was, I was a stringer. Like I was you know, working wherever I was um, writing stories. So you have a lot of freedom, but you don't have the same structure um, to that. And as an editor, I have a lot more structure. I come in every day to the office. Um, you know, I'm most of a good chunk of my work, I would say, is assigning stories, editing them, and putting them up. Um, not as much writing as uh, a reporter would be doing. Obviously, one thing that I've really tried to do is incorporate more reporting um, into my own work rather than you know just publishing other people's stories. I like lock out a lot of time to produce my own sort of unique stories. Uh, today I had a story on uh, on the Shidduch, not really the Shidduch crisis, but the, the concept of the resume um, mm -hmm. and how, and there was this whole, there was like this data breach basically where a bunch of resumes were uploaded to a website without the subject approval, um, permission. So, and what that means about, you know, what that might mean, rather, about a shidduch resume, what, when you put such personal information down and you pass it around in today's age where there's kind of no boundaries online, um, where that information can go is kind of scary. So it was like a long piece, but really talking about um, online privacy in the firm community, number one, and number two, also how singles are treated in the community. Uh, so that was a really fun, really fascinating story that I kind of just spun out in the past few days. Um, it just happened. Yeah. But one thing. Yeah, and it was like big in all the fa big Facebook groups. Uh, mm -hmm. It was it was a fun story. People had a lot to say, um, and it was like one of those stories that I really felt like, okay, only I can write about this. I mean, I probably could have found a freelancer to write this, but this was like, okay, this is an Avital story. I have to take this on. Um, 
so yeah, so so I try. I'm trying to do more of those. I have a bunch of other stories of the sort up my sleeves that I'm pretty excited about. It's great that you have the freedom to, you know, sometimes choose what what you yeah. want to write and then what you want other people to write. Sure, so. it's so important as a writer, and also I think you know I'm I'm very much a creative soul, um, so I I need the freedom, and I and also I think. Um, I have very specific perspectives and I feel like insights into a certain community. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's, it's a segment of our readership here at The Forward. It's not all of our readership, but it's an important readership that I really want to, to feel like that readership is covered and feels engaged. So um, that it's, it's so important for me to have the freedom to continue doing these sorts of niche insider stories, and I'm really grateful that my employer allows me to do so. So who would you say uh, are the readers of the Ford? Like what, um, how would you describe them? It's so varied. Um, you know, generally the kind of typical reader is a very liberal, uh, highly educated, and I'd say non-Orthodox progressive Jew. Um, that is the majority, and that's, this is based off of stats. We've done surveys of our readers. Um, but the interesting thing that I find is that when I write my stories that are kind of, you know, slightly different, out of the box, um, much more Orthodox, I, I see based on the statistics, I see who's coming in to read, um, and they're there's a huge firm readership. Um, I think that one thing that I find really interesting about this job and this and my specific place is that it's really truly the only one of the only places I would say where you can get unfiltered, uncensored uh, reporting on issues in the community. Uh, I think a lot of other publications within the from community would never publish, let's say, a story like this about Shadok resumes being posted online. What? Yeah, sorry, being exposed. Uh, yeah, being exposed, exactly, yeah. Um, so I, I think it, it's uncomfortable, right? Like, oh, because the implication there is, well, there was a from Jew who did something bad. Yeah, there was someone who did something bad. Someone uploaded resumes that were sent to Shulchanim without people's permission. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and that would not fly in a firm publication because their job is not to report necessarily all of the truth. Um, so one of the most, you know, interesting and hard and amazing things about what I, you know, my job and what I'm trying to do here at The Forward is that at The Forward I can um, tell those stories without um, concern really uh, about you know, censorship, that will I be able to tell the full story? Like here I really have the freedom to do so. And it's a little bit sad, to be honest. It's a little bit sad that I have to kind of, as a from woman journalist, step outside of my own community to write these stories because they would never be published within. So, But I do think in the end of the day, these sorts of stories draw in huge traffic um, from the from community because I think people are looking for it. Um, and I, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers today just from this one story in Shaduchim. It's been at the top of the board since it was published at 5 a.m. this morning. It's the most read story by far. Um, wow. So, you know, I see there's a real hunger, I think, for information 
and for sort of clear-headed perspectives on issues in the community. Yeah, there definitely is. And I think that people have to understand, I mean, overall, you know, just because there's, there's something negative in every single culture and every religion, no one's 100%. perfect, no group is, is perfect, and it's just a way to, if you shed light on something, you can make it better. That's the point of it. It's not the point to yes. drag people down. So yes. it sounds like what you're doing is really important. Thank you. I try. I think definitely it's not about dragging down. I think that this is about building up. And part of improving your community is just, is just being able to point down and say, okay, here are the problems. Here are the challenges. How can we fix them? Um, you know, when we don't, obviously those things fester. So, you know, that perspective is obviously still considered radical by many, um, but I, I really think it's the only way, the only way to improve things. Yes, definitely. So getting into the fashion aspect of, sure. you know, you're being a journalist, do you feel like you have to dress a certain way or portray yourself a certain way? Uh, so it's really interesting, actually. Uh, I actually did have an essay about this in the forward, uh, I want to say, a few months ago. Um, as a friend journalist, I do, and as a Robinson, I do, and they're for very different reasons. Um, mm -hmm. As a journalist, uh, I kind of live in both in two worlds. So I come to my office, I represent. In many ways, I feel like I represent orthodoxy. I go to, you know, events with all different types of people, Jews, non-Jews, secular Jews, and I really feel um, the, you know, the onus to, to represent in a certain way. Um, but I think, and this is what I wrote about in my essay, I think more, uh, I think majorly in my mind, is there's this, uh, there's this idea that as a firm woman with a platform, um, it is very important for me to be very conscious about how I dress because I know that my credibility in my community and as a journalist and as a thinker is very much determined by the way I present. Um, and that means, practically speaking, I am very careful about SMEAS. Now, first of all, I do believe in the value of SMEAS, about dignity. Um, I do look at it as a sort of self-respect to the body but I also see it as a political reality in that I have to be very careful that my skirt is long enough to really cover my knee when I'm sitting down on stage somewhere interviewing someone because if not, someone's going to take a picture and post it online and say, look, her skirt is a little bit short. Maybe she's not so frub, right? Yeah. Um, so that's like the unspoken, uncomfortable thing here. But I'm just like that. A few months ago, I decided, okay, that's it. I'm talking about this. Like that's just the reality of my life. Um, and my point in pointing it out is really just like, uh, I think it's a little bit sad that we have come to this place where a woman is, you know, so judged. And not just women, actually. I think men also are judged. Yeah. Um, and scrutinized in such a way that their words may not mean something if they're not dressed according to a very specific uniform of a very specific community. Um, so yeah, so that's, I do take it very seriously. Um, one thing I also find, especially day to day, and when I'm going to speak somewhere, when I'm interviewing people, I try not to, uh, I like the Steve Jobs approach, actually, day to day in my job. I feel like I want to dress in all black and just keep it simple and keep the focus on the ideas, not on how I'm dressed. <laughs> right. 
so that's very interesting um, in two ways because I've been speaking to a lot of my friends and acquaintances, and mm -hmm. one of my friends, she's a psychologist, and mm -hmm. she works in a very religious school, um, and she was just saying how it, it was very hard for her because she, she's, she dresses modestly according to her standards of, yeah. of um, modesty, and the school wanted her to dress more, you know, more sneeze. That mm -hmm. was very difficult for her, and she, she ended up, she, you know, she's listened to the rules, and she does dress more sneeze, but she kind of mm -hmm. felt like she lost her sense of self a little bit. Yeah. That. Like, she wasn't able to portray herself the way she wanted to, and she kind of lost, like, like the excitement that she had for, for clothing and then how it, would make her, how it would make her feel every day. The joy That's that hard. she used to have yeah. in it. So, yeah. I, I could totally see that um, happening. I think it also just depends on where you're working and, at, like, how you're spending your day-to-day. -day. Like, for me personally, like, being more mockbit on Smith for me is not, um, at this point in my life, it's not particularly difficult. And it's strange because how, 10 years ago it was, when I was in Shadokan, for sure it was. Um, you know, but it's now it's different. Now I feel like I'm, you know, in a different place. And, and again, I, I think in terms of the types of work that I'm trying to do, I really want people to focus on what I have to say. Um, so it's it's an unexpected turn for me. I didn't expect my life to go this way, to be very honest. Um, but I totally understand how, yeah, of course, your your identity, your clothing is very much a part of our identity, uh, 100%. And to have to change something drastically in a way that one is uncomfortable is for sure um, shocking and uncomfortable. Right. And, I mean, thankfully she did take a step back and she realized that, you know, I can still express myself through color or through the, yeah, of the clothing. Right. And yeah, she's yeah. finding ways to inject her personality into what she mm -hmm. wears every day so that she could just feel good, just feel good every day. Yeah, so, it's, it's very important. So do you do that at all, like in small doses with, with what you wear? Um, it's about, so, so the other half of my life, you know, as a Rebbiton, I it's very different. Um, my fashion choices, uh, I there, you know, we live in the Upper East Side, um, so their fashion is a big deal, um, and I really try to. Uh, I don't know if dress playfully is the word, but have fun with my clothing choices in a way that I don't do during the work week. So I have, like, a really double life. I used to have two different shade holes that I would wear, literally. Um, so, and and there I wear, you know, to shul and to events, I will, there I, I have a little bit more fun. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time choosing very carefully the types of dresses um, that I like, that I think are interesting, that are cut well, that are fully tsenua, and that really, I think, represent what tsenua uh, means what it can mean, rather, um, in a very diverse community. 
so so that's I think really where I put in my energy when it comes to wardrobe choices. Right. So that's at least you have that balance, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I love I love I love clothing. Don't get me wrong. I love fashion. I I'm I'm a very avid <laughs> follower of trends. Um I just I like to keep my lives separate. It's just a funny thing. I like to work to dress very simply and not, you know, um just all black literally all the time even in August. Um and you know, and that way I don't also expend too much energy during the week thinking about my outfits and then Shabbat and and Hagim and events all the things that happen outside of work are that's a lot much more a lot more um you know kind of thought intensive <laughs> right and you can you can you can let your creativity roam free basically yeah yeah for sure for sure and it's um you know i know i know people are looking i know people notice what the rabbis wife wears i definitely did that growing up in my school so you kind of want to uh project well yeah, and I guess you also want to show people in general that you can be modest and still have good style. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that takes a lot of effort for me, by the way. Like, it's, I really, I spent a lot, I, I just got my first dress for Rosh Hashanah. Like, I'm already, like, planning my wardrobe for Yanzis. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. Um, but it's, I really, I think it very much through um, because I know people will judge and I really I don't want to give off a frumpy impression of what you know I, I see could be beautiful so I believe in the power of turning the mundane into something holy how sure. can we apply this to fashion uh, so I, I talk a lot about this with my buttons for girls and our community um, I, I see definitely fashion as a way to First of all, sh differentiate between whole and, and kodesh, right? Between the weekday, the mundane, and holy days. Uh, we wear different clothing. And, and I love that aspect of Judaism. I love that we, you know, Shabbos is coming and we change our clothing. It's such an important part of, of what it's all about. Um, you change your clothing, you change the person, you change your perspective, you change your attitude. Um, so there's that. And, and I think, you know, the idea that we're, we, the way we dress ourselves, the way we treat our bodies, and however we interpret it. And I don't, you know, I, I think for people it means different things. I don't, you know, smears doesn't, isn't, one person's smears is not the next person's smears. But however we interpret it, um, I think we, we dress our bodies with, with respect and with the knowledge that there is something greater than ourselves. I think that's very powerful, um, particularly actually when it comes to head covering. That's one thing that really moves me about covering my hair, though it's not an easy mitzvah. I, I see it as a sort of just a female version of what men do by wearing a kippah. When men wearing yarmulkes are showing that there is God above them, so too I feel like I'm wearing a constant reminder that God is above me, that the world is greater than just me, that, you know... Just because I write one good article doesn't mean I'm, you know, I've made it. I have to be a little bit more humble. These are sorts of constant reminders, I, I think, of humility. Uh, not, to my mind, that's really what modesty is about, is to inspire humility, is to inspire us and to remind us that we are greater than just our bodies. Yeah, that's, I totally agree. It's 
it's amazing. I didn't even think about that, the whole, like, you know, from, from weekday to Shabbos and the, the, the transformation. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, if, you, if you think about it, it's a strange sort of thing. In the middle of your Friday, you're, you're, going, you're showering and you're changing into something else. You're putting on your makeup. You're putting on your nice facial. Like it's, it's, and, it, and it changes everything. It changes everything. Yeah. So as a mom and a wife, how do you go about your fashion choices? Uh, as a mom, <laughs> if I'm dressed normally, I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> there are some days that I just don't want to get dressed. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. The truth is, I feel like I'm, even when I'm full-time in mom mode, like on a Sunday or Shabbos, I'm still, I'm also in a communal setting, almost always. Um, I'm going to show, there's Sunday school, there is an event, there is a birthday party, whatever it is. I'm very much in our community. Um, so I don't really have many opportunities to just be like in a slinky skirt and tickle. I'm really just I'm kind of always on. Um, so generally, if you want me to be very specific, I will find, I live in my leather jackets on Sundays. That's like my, my go-to easy New York City mom look <laughs> yes and it's you know what i'm saying it's a, it's, a, it's a good look you feel like you're dressed up you look dressed up even when you're not super dressed up yeah um yeah and and big sunglasses obviously and a nice <laughs> coffee that's, that's my that's my sunday look um or at least i try so yeah that, i don't really have much time where i'm just you know kind of chilling with the kids it's a lot of a lot of social time so yeah. I'm I'm kind of like always either I'm at work in my professional life or I'm like rabbit sitting in some capacity. Exactly, but it's really true though that the second you put on those sunglasses and that leather jacket, you feel a little bit transformed. Like you feel like you're ready to take on the day. Like there is something to the power that clothing can have. I think. Yes, I find totally. That. Like, I find that when yeah. I'm, when I, when I, and I don't mind going out in a baseball cap. I have no problem. Mm -hmm. I've done that many a time to the park. Mm -hmm. I call it the fashion detour off-duty look. <laughs> but There you go. <laughs> so It I can have, be very glam in its own way. <laughs> and, like, I don't have a problem doing that at all. But at the same time, I feel like I have more self-confidence when I just have a different feeling when I'm wearing, you know, something a bit more put together. Like just, just a simple thing. Yeah, sure, for sure. Jacket. Yeah. You could be wearing a plain yeah. dress underneath and that's it, right. you know. But, yeah. So I definitely yeah, 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 totally. hear yeah. where you're coming from with I, that. I feel like I'm always on the lookout for, like, those little hacks, the easy things that make you look put together even when you aren't super put together, um, like, for those moments, exactly. When I know I'm going to see someone or be in some social setting, but I just am not in the mood to put on a whole, you know, face of makeup and some sort of fancy dress. Yeah. And are there any brands or companies that you gravitate towards? 
It's a good question. Um, I really recently started shopping a lot from, from brands, actually. Um, I just could not... I was not finding the things that I needed at any of the department stores, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, where do I shop? I found a lot of really nice things, actually, at uh, Front Row Couture. Uh, it's, a small, it's a brand in Muncie. Um, I bought a lot of things from them online. Um, where else? A Parallel, Raju, uh, Linear, all of these sorts of firm brands. Um, I'm I'm a supporter. I, first of all, I like to support other firm female entrepreneurs. So I, I really feel the sheets out, like, happy to support them. Um, and the other thing is I just, you know, I, I struggle to find dresses that cover my knee, you know, in a regular department store, um, and these dresses really are, all, like, one-stop shop, one pieces. I don't do layers. I, re yeah. I like for a look to look finished and, like, conscientious. Like, this was made to be the way it is. Um, so so I really try to go that way. And I, and I sometimes I go to Brooklyn. I do my shopping there. And is it Brenda's? Whatever it is. Was it? Yeah. I, I, go, I go to a lot of them um, to really... I, I spend a lot of time scoping, you know, look, looking out for things that are interesting and that are a little bit different, that look elegant also. Um, you know, it's hard, though, because I think there's also this big trend in a lot of these stores, I find, that are, like, people love a lot of, like, flowers or bows, and, like, it's, it's like, a little bit for good and it's, that's not my style. I'm just, like, I like a more um, kind of simple, elegant look, so that's, yes. Yeah requires work. <laughs> I know what you mean. There's the modern, simple aesthetic that right. it's very hard to achieve and still look yeah, boring. I, I, exactly. Not boring. First of all, not boring. Or second of all, there's like this super modern look, which is like like these big dresses. They're like, but they, they look like potato sacks on me. Like I can't wear them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just that style, um, like, very Brooklyn. I can't wear it. Like, it just doesn't look good on me. So I, I really, I spent a lot of time looking for, I think the word is tailored. I like a tailored dress. I like something that, you know, looks the cover dick, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, I'm five feet tall, so I don't know how tall you are. But I just Yeah, I'm like five, six. Yeah. Okay, well, at least you have some height. <laughs> In terms of, you know, I just, but I do understand, like, for me, I always need a belt or something to, right. mm -hmm. you know, bring it in. Otherwise, I'm like, where am I? I'm lost in here, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. No, yeah. I don't, mine is always, like, the dress is not long enough. It's not long enough. And I've become so harsh on myself when I go shopping. Um, so I'm, I just, at this point, like, I just go to from places, like, that's, and it's so funny because I was never that type of a shopper. But lately I just realized it's so much easier. Um, yeah. And I also think that I shop much more, like, consciously. Like, I used to go to Bloomingdale's and just, like, browse and maybe this piece. And if I add this and I, you know, do this to it, then it'll work. But I just got tired of it. Like, I don't have that time anymore. So it's a different lifestyle. But I'm happy about it. I feel like I buy less, but then I just buy much more like efficiently and specifically. It's not yes. Yes. 
it makes sense. And thankfully, you have a lot of choices, and it's quite the phenomenon now with all these from girls opening up stores. It just, I feel like it started out of nowhere, and that it's exciting because. I now, love it. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. So. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's, I, as I said, I really love just supporting. Um, you know, from women's businesses, if I have the option to buy something from a from store or a department store or something, and even if the from store is a little bit more expensive, I'm still, I'm happy to spend it there. Um, and, and yeah, and, I, and, I, and it's, it is exciting. I, I'm hoping that, like, I, I, it looks like it's getting diversified. Like, there's a lot of different style options uh, that these brands are putting out. So we do have a nice amount of, um, you know, choice. Yes. It is interesting, though, that in general, the world overall is becoming more inclusive and there is more modest fashion yeah. options out there. For sure, yeah. So it's like, yeah. I don't remember the saying, who, laid, who came first, the chicken or the egg or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> but, right. um but it seems like I don't know if we're we're influencing them or they're influencing us, but it's all good. We're <laughs> there, there was actually a great piece about this in the Times. I want to say twenty sixteen or something by Vanessa Friedman. She's like their top fashion critic, and she wrote about how um, the the fashion of our age of this decade, whatever that means, the two thousand tens, is is actually about modesty and how more and more it's considered normal um, for women to cover up where not long ago it was to expose oneself. Now people are covering up. Um, and a, that a lot of it comes from, actually interestingly, from feminism, that this is like women deciding that their bodies don't have to be on display in the way that they were conditioned to display them, um, which I really connect with. Uh, and I think after this whole Me Too thing, a lot of, you know, secular women who don't do this for religious reasons but just choose to really cover up. I see a lot of midi skirts in Manhattan, a lot, like long skirts. I'm shocked always because like, from the back, I think it's the from girl, and, I, and then the woman turns around and, nope, you know, but it's, it's really it's nice to see that um, we do have more, I think, fashion options. Uh, and I think the other thing is there's just the internet, like the opportunities to show up all these different interesting sorts of brands that we may not have been, uh, you know, kind of exposed to before are now available to us. So, you, can, you know, shop European brands. I go to Moscow. I love shopping there because Russian designs tend to be pretty modest and, like, it's different from anything that we have here. Um, you know, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot of interesting uh, brands that are opening up, and, and we now have access to them, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of the, the author of that article, you said? I think it was Vanessa Friedman. Vanessa I'm pretty Friedman. sure. Okay. I'm going yeah. to look, look that up. That sounds, that sounds really interesting. And if you remember any of the brands in Moscow, are any of them available online? Um, the brands in Moscow, you know, I'm going to have to remember. I don't think I remember any of the brands. I just know where 
where I walk in the city to find them when I'm there. <laughs> I go on a shopping spree. Um, there is one, I want to play like Isabella or something. And I did see something online. I, but I don't know if they ship to America. That's the thing. A lot of them ship to, um, like, I see, like, to London, to Ukraine, to Dubai. But I haven't really seen much shipping to America. Um, I don't know if they're going to offer that anytime soon, to be honest. <laughs> well, we can, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be looking that up later. <laughs> yes, I will send the link. Okay, sounds good. So, overall, what are your hopes for the future of modest fashion? Ooh, um, where to begin? I, one thing that I'm always looking for uh, that I struggle to find is, is like I said, like the sort of um, refined and like toned down elegance. I, I I guess the best way to say it is like the sort of British royals look. Um, you know, Middle, Kate Middleton does an amazing job of dressing like this. Her stylists do an amazing job, and that's something that I feel like should be more available. And I just don't see enough of it. Um, you know, like tailored, structured uh, pieces that feel really conscientious, that are good quality. Um, so I would love to see more of those. I feel like it's just not in style for whatever reason. Um, you know, now people want asymmetrical and frilly, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and I, I kind of, I, you know, call me a conservative, but I, I really like the more timeless look, so I'm, so I'm hoping that brands do consider making more timeless designs in addition to the trendy ones. Uh, sorry, that's like such a niche answer, but it's something that I really think about a lot um, just because of, you know, I where I'm going, you know, an Upper East Side, whether I'm going to shul or I'm going to a dinner at, you know, the Pierre or the St. Regis, I can't show up in like a like a cutesy, um, you know, color block dress that might be in on Avenue J. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. That so I'm like, I guess the word is more grown up. I don't know what the word is, but I'm like looking for something. I'm always looking for something a little bit more kind of refined. <laughs> yeah. You could kind of, I mean, like I was looking at the first ladies. Style. Yes, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's it's interesting to see the people that are in power. That's the looks that they gravitate towards. You know, they right. And 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 I, I totally. And that's the right word. It's called power dressing. It's showing like a certain sort of confidence. Right. I think that's so important. Um, and I say that like just even professionally, wherever I go, I really think about what am I going to project in the way that I am dressing. Um, and and something about that style does emote a sort of power, a sort of confidence. And I think it's interesting you're saying it that way because I wonder if we in our community are not dressing that way because we're just not conditioned to think of ourselves as powerful. I don't know. <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder about that. That's definitely food for thought. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for all your your time, your feedback, and, oh, what I wanted to add is I do think you'll be, you, maybe you'll get what you want. 
I hope going forward, all those brands out there, I hope you're listening, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, um, that I do know that, that um, separates are coming back in. So there That's might true. be, yeah, there, there might be a little more room for that type of power dressing with the separates because you could take a simple skirt and pair it with a blazer, you know, and a blouse. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that looks very nice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, one other thing that I've, I've recently discovered, I just tried it. This is actually the first Rosh Hashanah dress. I decided to take a risk and try Etsy. Um, I ordered a custom-made dress. It was, like, a little bit over $100. Um, it was beautiful. It fits so nicely. Like, a really, just, just a very refined, um, sort of simple, like, Yonkis dress. Uh, I was so happy with it. Um, so I, I'm wondering maybe if I, I'm, I'm kind of toying with the idea of doing more custom pieces just because it's hard to find what, you know, I'm looking for always. Yeah. Um, and if you can find them at an affordable rate, it's really cool. Yeah, that's very, that's pretty inexpensive for a custom-made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when yeah. you're when you have a chance, you should uh, send me a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, I will. I know. I told I told the woman that made it. I said I would when I put it on, like when I'm dressed normally, I will actually send a picture. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, and have a great day. Thanks again. Thank you, Michal. This was great. Once again, I just wanted to give a huge thank you to Avital Goldschmidt for sharing a little bit about her life in her day-to-day duties as a mom, as a journalist, as a Rebetzin at the Park East Synagogue. So thank you so, so much. Anyway, so we are going to be moving along to our five fab finds. The first one is from Linear Collection, and it's their play cobalt blue dress. I love the drop ruffle hem. It's such a cute detail. I love that they tell you the length according to each size. So that's a really cool feature because a lot of websites, they just say, you know, the model's wearing size eight and this is the length of the size eight dress or approximately the length. But on Linear Collection site, they give you the length for each size. So that's very helpful. Anyway, I love the cobalt color. It's a good color for me, but it's such a rich color that I think looks good on a lot of people. So definitely go check out their Play Cobalt dress. The next five I find is from Nordstrom. And plaids are very in right now as they always are when school starts gearing up to start which is a little bit scary to think about but yes so Nordstrom has a plaid button down midi skirt so pretty it's from the company English Factory and online what I love is that they have a little video clip with a stylist and she says that the plaid skirt would look great with a mustard turtleneck or cardigan and white booties but really you could 
take this skirt and do so many fun cool things with it you could wear it with a denim top you could wear it with a white blouse um so the possibilities are endless and 63 dollars. so go check out their plaid button down skirt and i love that it's like a very dainty plaid in like a light blue and red so it's more subtle the third fab find speaking of plaids is from century 21 they have a gray blazer from laundry by shelly seagal it has a tiered cuff sleeve and it's called their tiered cuff plaid blazer from laundry by shelly seagal and it's just like a really cute feminine detail at the bottom of the sleeve like a very small two-tiered cuff so it's very pretty and i think that you could put it with a black pencil skirt you could put it with a cream pencil skirt and dress it up for shabbos so moving on to our fab find number four from macy's and I really want to try to start bringing you guys some more suiting options because I know that that's a trend. So Macy's has a suit from Tahari ASL. The blazer is Peaked Lapel Blazer. And the color is Peony. And it's just this beautiful pink, but like a more muted blush pink. But it still has color to it, so it's not going to wash you out. And the pencil skirt that goes with it is 37 and a half inches. So that's, you know, comparatively speaking, I'm five feet tall. And usually I think I get like a 21 inch skirt. So that does definitely give you um, length to work with. So again, it's just a simple silhouette. It's a beautiful suit. And I like the idea of getting the suit and then just wearing the jacket one day with uh, maybe a silk slip skirt or wearing the skirt one day and just wearing it with a white shirt or even a, a printed shirt. So there are a lot of possibilities here. Last but not least... Five Fab Finds is from The Frock, New York City. They have an ivy green silky tea dress. And I haven't tried it, but it looks really silky and luxe. And I just think that with a really cute belt, it could go very far. I could see it wearing it on like a Mose Shabbos with a black leather jacket over it. I could also see wearing it with heels and going to an event. So there are a lot of possibilities there. So from the Frock New York City, it's a silky tea dress and I'm very partial to olive greens. So I love the ivy, the ivy green. Thank you so much once again for listening to this week's edition of the Fashion Detour. You can check out all the five fab finds on my blog, thefashiondetour.com. I've got 
pictures up there. I've got links. So happy shopping. And thanks again for listening to Avital Goldschmidt. She was really inspiring. I hope you have an amazing week.